Enjoying a late recording this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm Sam Kelly. Welcome to episode 282 of Hand of Pod. Uh, I'm joined this week by Andres. Hello, Sam. How are you? Fine, thanks. And you? Good, thank you, yeah. We were delayed slightly by Andres's internet company being wankers, basically. Yes. Um, which is why we're recording on Thursday this evening. But it did have the very handy knock-on effect of meaning that we were able to watch the second leg of the Recopa Sudamericana last night um, and therefore record this knowing what happened in it. Uh, it also meant that we were able to watch the uh, matches between Lanús and Sporting Cristal and Nacional of Montevideo and Banfield um, in the Copa Sudamericana and Copa Libertadores respectively. Uh, and there are no Argentine clubs in continental action tonight so that's a bit of a bonus I suppose. Yes, the only thing is that you will be uploading the, this episode just hours before a new round of the Superliga starts. Well, if the yes. if the editing isn't too tricky, I'll, I might try to get it uploaded tonight to take that into account so that people can hear it on Friday morning. Um, but we shall see. I will go over, for the moment, the uh, results from last weekend in the Superliga. Some of these matches were, I remember, nearly a week ago now, so it's quite difficult to remember them. But they went as follows. On Friday evening, Estudiantes beat Union 2-0 in La Plata. On Also on Friday evening, Racing beat Lanús 3-1 in Avellaneda. And Belgrano and Vélez drew 2-2 in Córdoba. On Saturday, Argentinos versus Atlético Tucumán also finished 2-2. San Lorenzo beat Newell's thanks to one pretty early goal, if I remember rightly. Um, Temple and Independiente's reserves drew 0-0 Rosario Central beat Olimpo 5-0 Young Andres Lioy scored a hat-trick from midfield in that match San Martín de San Juan and Tacheres de Córdoba drew one all in San Juan um, and Arsenal de Sarandí and Huracán drew 1-1 as well oh we're already on to Sunday's matches sorry those last two took place on Sunday as did River Plate's 2-2 draw at home to Godoy Cruz and Boca Juniors 1-0 win away to Banfield who were also fielding a reserve side like Independiente because as I just mentioned they were between two legs of the Libertadores um, tie on Monday evening Tigre 1 Defensi Justicia 1 Patronato 3 Chacarita Juniors 0 and Colón de Santa Fe 1 Gimnasia y Esgrima La Plata Nil were the results which uh, wrapped things up. What did you make of the weekend, Andres? Well, the, the main, I think, uh, headline is that Boca still uh, continues winning, continues not playing very well, but winning, which is important for them to be with the with the enough difference, you know, uh, in order to start, start playing Libertadores 
uh, with a perhaps a, a reserve team in, in in the Superliga and getting a perhaps a, a better team in the in the in their starting matches for the Copa Libertadores, as they have now nine points of difference with of course one more match than San Lorenzo, mm. um, which means that they at their be their worst. Uh, uh, stage they will have six points of difference, which is great. It's good. It's pretty good difference. They've, they've also got like five weeks or something before San Lorenzo and Independiente even play that game in hand. By which yes. point, of course, the gap. I suppose it might have narrowed, but the way Boca are playing, more likely, yes. it would have widened even further. Yes. Uh, uh, again, they perhaps. Uh, no, I don't. I wouldn't say that they underestimated uh, Banfield kids or reserves. But uh, that if they if that happened, it's dangerous. But they uh, made it to win the match at least with a, a very early goal from Tevez, mm. and that's enough for them. It's uh, uh, they are more than one year as the leaders of the Argentine league, uh, in, independently of the last or this the previous or, the, or this tournament. But uh, the case is that they win and they. Uh, Uh, contrary to other teams, they don't need to play well to win. They win and they sit and they are uh, right now. Yes, they are the best team in the global. If you watch it globally, they are, I think, the best because of that and because uh, they have the best squad. We could say, uh, taking into account all the main players or, or I mean the starting eleven and the ones who come. Uh, replacing the the, the 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 main players, mm. uh, so yes, uh, I think the main point this week is that. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting once the Libertadores starts and they're forced to rotate a bit more than anything because the defenders, the the starting centre backs, Paulo Goltz and Lisandro Magashan, um, have developed a very nice understanding with one another. Uh, but behind them, you've got Santiago Bergini, who just doesn't convince me in the same way when he gets to play. Um, and so it, it's going to be interesting to, to see how whether they get significantly more defensively vulnerable, um, because certainly in these last couple of games that that's been a you know a, a major thing for them, where they've only managed to score one goal because they've struggled more up front. Um, but that one goal has been enough because they're not conceding and they're not even letting their opponents really get very many shots in. Um, having said that, Rossi did uh, he was called on a couple of times against Banfield. Um, and came up big when needed against, I'm trying to remember it was, I think it might have been Julian Carranza um, and possibly Franco Colleda with a, with a shot at some point as well. Um, so, we'll see. But yes, it's true that uh, right, Bergini is far less reliable than Paolo Goltz and at this point Lisandro Mahajan, who made Boca a, a, a more solid defense than they had uh, some time ago. And they at this point look like, if we can compare, like a Bianchi style team in which they um, may score a goal and that's enough to win. Not being brilliant, not being very, very good, but uh, uh, their rivals aren't uh, able to, 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 well, to score, at least to score one goal because uh, uh, I, I recall. Uh, a very clear option to score from Banfield. I don't re I remember if it was the ones you, you mentioned, if Colella or, or Carranza, 
but uh, there was after the goal score from Tevez a very nice player uh, very close to score and they couldn't uh, so yes at this point I think that they have luck they are they have good players and at this point with this difference they don't need to be just very good to 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 win and and to keep that difference from the from the rivals mm-hmm. indeed um Banfield themselves, the uh, the gamble backfired of playing a reserve team because last night, Wednesday night to be clear, uh, they lost 1-0 away to Nacional in Montevideo, which means a 3-2 defeat for them in the third round of the Copa Libertadores qualifying stage, um, and therefore they're not going to be going into the group stage, Nacional will be going into the group stage. Um, it was another late uh, goal to decide a Banfield game in the Libertadores. We've already had several of those in only four Banfield matches um, in the Libertadores. Anyway, uh, they, I can't I remember think, the name of the scorer. I think the Nil Nil will, will anyway qualify Nacional because of the goal, well, away, goals, away yeah. goal difference. But they had a penalty that wasn't awarded. They committed, well, or made. There was a foul to Bartolo that the referee, I think, was Sandro Ricci, the Brazilian, uh, which is. Uh, talking about the referees in Argentina is now hard because yeah. there are there are there are a lot of teams complaining about their, them and in this case there was a well there's there's one team in particular complaining yes. about them and we'll we'll yes. talk about that in a while but yeah Ricci himself is um because Conmebol's new head of refereeing is Brazilian yes. and he's the one who's in charge of putting all these uh, people in charge and there was controversy as well with Independiente and the Recopa which again we'll talk about uh, shortly. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's been a slightly depressing week all round from the point of view of uh, what we've been saying the last couple of weeks. Don't complain too much about referees. Just get on and try to improve your own game. But uh, here we are, doing it again. Yes, <laughs> all of the matches that we are, we will talk about that well, the Copa, uh, Super League, Copa Libertadores have a, a big involvement from the referees because of their decisions and. And the teams saying that they, that is why the result or the results of the matches are explained because of the referees' decisions, um, which is of course wrong uh, from any point of view, independently of of, of clear penalties or clear uh, wrong red cards that mm. were uh, shown or whatever. You can't anyway in any way. Uh, complain the referees, complain or, or, or blame the referees because you you lost or uh, or, you, or you got a draw in, in uh, because if not we are putting ourselves in in situations or in positions of supporters or barely supporters who we know how they are that they complain when they are benefit they it's okay and when they are not it's uh, they are well the referees are are are, are not honest and. And the complaining and the crying starts. Exactly. Um, and there was more of that, unfortunately, on Sunday uh, when River and Godoy Cruz drew 2-2 in the Monumental. Just like last week, I don't want to talk about River for too long because a lot of the mistakes were the same as before. And so if you listen, I'll say it again, to episode 279 or to episode 280 of Hand of Pod for the first 20 minutes or so, most of the complaints that we made then... Um, are still valid. Um, we don't want to carry on repeating ourselves. But River, I think, are slowly starting to show some shoots of recovery um, in attack, at least. 
they were fairly decent for the first 10 or 15 minutes. Um, Godoy Cruz took the lead 12 minutes in through Juan Garro. Uh, at the time he scored, it was against the run of play, but Godoy Cruz then had a very good spell for most of the rest of the first half. Santiago Garcia doubled their lead after a really bad mistake, wasn't it, from, was it Poncio? No, it was uh, Martinez Cuarta. Thank you, from Lucas Martinez Cuarta, um, after 24 minutes. Um, he was a and, clear uh, offside, which is uh, as, as oh, I he said, was, wasn't he? Yeah, it was about as I said, it's not no it? excuse, but he was. It was like a yard offside. Yes. It was yeah, it, it wasn't a narrow call. Um, but again, it looked like River were going to allow that to uh, get to their heads and, and let the game run away from them a bit until one of the most heartening sights in Argentine football so far this year. Given the amount of, and I'm not saying that as a River supporter, I'm saying it as a, a relative neutral given the amount of time he was out injured for. Rodrigo Mora scored his first goal since his comeback to put River back in the game. It was at the end of quite a nice team move as well. Um, yes. And then in the second half, River uh, equalised fairly early on through Lucas Prato. Continued, I thought, to look quite good until about the hour mark. And then the last half hour, it was a lot more of the same problems again. It was too much individuality and too many... Um, I still look Prato a bit fat. A bit like not moving... Uh, easily or being like heavy like a truck like you try to move and it's impossible even when he's saying that uh, when he played for Vélez he was more was fatter than, than now but he was younger um, anyway yes the, the, the first goal scored by Garro the one we, we mentioned or at least I mentioned the last episode uh, I think it's the first time I, I mentioned a player and that player plays great the other week mm-hmm. uh, and he has been showing great performance since I think a long time ago and now uh, he showed, showed it against River which is not minor because it's a monumental, it's a lot of people watching and that and and he continues with that showing and uh, at that particular play the River was just awful, awful. Uh, a, a big confusion and big mistake with no one try, uh, being able to carry the ball. Finally, Mar- Garcia, more Garcia, with a great assistance to Garro, who easily scored. And, and at that point, that there was no referees or or, or external things that bothered or, or or influenced to the to the to the match. And uh, it's like a ghost that River is can't quit and, and they know that at any point they can make a mistake that ends in a goal and in this case it happened yeah they did um, <coughs> that, def- that defeat <laughs> the defeat that felt like a draw I suppose um, leaves River in 19th position and importantly really as we mentioned last week in passing they're well off the copper spots aren't they because they have to finish 13th or 14th to get into the Sudamericana and above 7th or something to yeah. get into the um, Libertadores, don't they? Yes. Uh, so it's already looking as if their best hope for 2019 Copa Libertadores action is either to win the Copa Argentina or to win the Copa Libertadores itself. Or, I suppose, get knocked out of the Libertadores group stage and then win the Sudamericana if they finish third in their group. In terms of, of the points they should win to, or, or the distance in, in terms of points that... Uh, uh, River should should uh, get to 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 uh, be in, in Copa Libertadores uh, zone. It's, it's, it's not so big, but uh, there are a lot of teams. That's the problem. I'm looking at Lanús, who are sixth. Yeah. 
Uh, they are they're on twenty six points, so they're seven clear, uh, seven ahead of River. Um, but of course, there's as you mentioned between River and Union. Sorry, not Lanús. Uh, I don't know why I said Lanús just then. Lanús uh, Union. God, I'm doing it again. A sixth. Uh, with 26 points. And then below them you have Independiente also on 26, but with a game in hand. Colón also on 26. Racing on 25. Huracán on 25. Belgrano on 25. Atletico Tucumán on 24. Argentinos on 24. Patronato on 23. Central on 23. Defensa Justicia 22. San Martín on 22. Banfield on 19. And River on 19. Um, so those are a lot of teams to overtake all of them. Uh, to scramble up into the Libertadores contention. Of course, there are still 11 matches to play, so it's not out of question, but the way that River have been playing in the last few weeks, it's difficult to see it happening, particularly you know, when we're talking about some green shoots of recovery, but it has to be remembered as well. They have just drawn at home with a team who have only managed... Uh, I think off the top of my head it was uh, six or seven points away from home all season. So and we it's don't not exactly signings. like a really impressive... Yes. It's not as if Godoy Cruz had, had blown away all comers in their away matches so far this season and have now been bravely held to a draw by tiny battling River Plate. And this time with all of the signings playing from the first minute, mm. uh, Armani, Bruno Zuccolini, Prato and Quintero, uh, which... Well, didn't change much, a lot of things, of course, like you said, there was a, like, a slight improvement because from a 2-0, uh, uh, I mean, 0-2, they had to score, of course, two to, to, to get the draw, they did it, so that is an advance because uh, in three weeks ago, it would meant for River to lose, definitely, mm. as they won't, weren't able to score, perhaps even one goal. So in this case, it's, that is the main point of improvement. And perhaps Godi Cruz uh, thought that the that it, the match was done and was uh, finished, or or they had some fear. But anyway, yeah, River, or, or it was just a demonstration of why Godoy Cruz don't tend to win away yes. games because yes. they struggle to hang on. Maybe uh, moving on to the rest of the big five, San Lorenzo beat Newell's one nil. I said, I think off the top of my head, that it was quite an early goal. I'm now bringing the stats up. I'm slightly afraid that I was getting it mixed up with Tevez's goal for Boca against Banfield. Uh, oh, it was reasonably early. It was 12 minutes um, after Ruben Botta um, scored what proved to be the only goal of that game. It's another 1-0 home win for San Lorenzo, because if I remember rightly, that was how they started the year as well. Didn't they? Where are they there? Yep. Oh no, 1-1, one, one, of course, with Boca. But the, both of those goals were quite early as well. That was must have been what stuck in my head. And then the previous week they didn't play, of course, because they were supposed to play Independiente. Um, did you catch this one? <coughs> Only pieces of, of that match. But as a, resum, or as a summary, I can say that uh, we, could, we could compare that victory with Boca's one. Mm. Uh, because they didn't play well, they got that goal and that, and, and that was enough. As, and... Uh, Ahead of, of news, which is at this point one of the worst teams, which with Liop being fired. Uh, oh, he's which, gone. Yes. Ah, I completely missed that somehow. Um, so yes, it was perhaps uh, something we could preview, and even uh, I think that we did it with San Lorenzo. Yes, playing uh, match with not very bright, not not a very bright match. Uh, 
Um, there was the, that goal from Bota with the defense not doing very much mm. at that point, and well, uh, nothing remarkable. I, I will say I only caught the second half of that game, but um, I remember thinking while I was watching it that it was quite bad. I've just brought up the statistics from the match, and it turns out that my impressions were largely correct. And indeed, what you've just said is borne out. Um, the goal came from San Lorenzo's only shot on target, and Newell's managed two shots on target, none of which were goals. Um, it was just, by and large, yeah, a, a match to not bother watching. And given that San Lorenzo are third in the table, with the game in hand over the team in second, perhaps not the best praise for the quality of the title race if we can put title race in inverted commas um, because of course it isn't really much of a title race with Boca being so far clear Racing against Lanús was probably as we mentioned last week one of the most attractive fixtures on the list for the weekend just gone um, it was put on a Friday night I'm not quite sure why Racing are also playing on a Friday night this weekend I'm also not sure why um, and Racing won 3-1 not really a big surprise considering Lanús has Issues which we've talked about a fair bit in, in the last couple of months. Obviously, they got their first league win in a long time against River Plate the previous weekend, but it was, you know, River have got their own issues. Um, so it didn't necessarily mean very much. And they were exposed, really, against Racing. Uh, Ricky Centurion played well and scored a goal. Alejandro Donati scored. Augusto Solari came off the bench um, for Racing to score as well. Roman Martinez managed the sole consolation for Lanús. Um, it was it was an impressive performance from Racing. It was a deeply unimpressive one from Lanús. Um, Racing actually managed twenty shots, of which Ooh. yeah, of which half of them were on target, and one hit the post. Um, and Centurion has has been widely praised for his uh, showing in that match since then. Um, on relatively even possession, it's kind of interesting when you see a home team just overrunning themselves. But what Racing are doing, I think, at the moment, puts me in mind. I think I mentioned this last week, actually, as well, of Chacho Caldet's um, Rosario Central team, which is good news for Racing. What's that? That he's had this much of an effect that, that quickly. The, the Rosario Central with Caldet in the bench was this in- intense and uh, this. Uh, like eager, eager, they have eagerness from to attack. They are like, like you said, twenty shots on target, which means that they are not uh, enough or they are not uh, satisfied with with scoring and, and, and attacking. They want more. Uh, they want even more. And and for example, the Centurion scoring from rebounds from their uh, goalkeepers in both matches mm. uh, in the previous match against Olimpo and now against Lanús. With not being a, a, a natural striker means the position the team gets. Yes, I think absolutely. Yeah, um, and it shows the hunger that he's that he's sort of seems to have got back as well since um, since rejoining Racing. He was impressive last season for Boca. He gave an interview last week or over the weekend where he said that he didn't really sort of get into the Boca world, as he put it. Um, he, he didn't fully understand it, but the Racing he feels at home again. Um, and I think that that's uh, you know it, it, it's it's reflected in in the performance he's giving at the moment from a much more central position as well than, than where he was at Boca and at Genoa and at Racing before um, you know, the first time round he, he was largely played on the wing but he's playing almost in a number ten kind of role now um, and he's looking really good. 
Yes. Well, of course, it's uh, they look uh, as with a big difference from what uh, Racing was with Diego Coca. In some occasions or in several occasions, he included five defenders with a more speculative pathway. And now, even with this, when it's early, because it's four matches with COVID, mm. uh, one defeat and three wins. <coughs> I think it might be three, you know. That uh, means, yes. Oh, uh, four, yeah. Sorry, yes. right, yeah. Uh, well, it's an indicator that they are, with the, the shape is different and the way they face the matches is different. Uh, of course, everything can change, but uh, as attendance, we can we can see that that uh, uh, perhaps they are not with a lot of elaboration, but they start to go forward immediately, they get the ball. Yeah, and it was also another really good performance from Lautaro Martinez. He didn't score, um, but he did uh, put in a lot of good runs and generally impress all round. So he remains somebody to watch if you can get to somewhere that you can watch Argentine football. Um, the other one of the big five who we haven't mentioned are Independiente. There's not an awful lot to talk about from the Superliga because, as I mentioned um, when I ran down the results, they were playing a, a reserve team against Tempele um, at the weekend. It was a pretty dull nil-nil draw. Um, Independiente won't be too pleased, perhaps, with their... Um, with the, the depth of their squad, maybe, if they're struggling as much as they did away to a 10-man Tempele, because Matthias Nani was sent off, admittedly, with only about 20 minutes to go. But even after that, uh, Independiente struggled to, to create an awful lot. Um, but they had bigger fish to fry, and they didn't manage to fry them. After a narrow, narrow defeat against Boca, playing quite well, uh, at least from what we have watched before, uh, could have they could have done more, or uh, it's independent anyway, even with with kids or or with the substitutes. Well, I don't know whether they're going to be. Um, sorry, who got an arrow defeat against Boca? Tempele. Sorry, yes. yes, I got completely confused then because I was talking about Independiente and thinking about Independiente. Um, I mean, I apologise. Yeah, I mean they can play perhaps the way I, they I, play I, against Boca. I think for Tempele, it's been two very heartening performances you're, you're, you're quite right um, Independiente were disappointing but Tempele themselves had to had to stick out things and, and, and make make their own luck as you say um, and, and and they did it well it was a decent you know, disciplined rearguard action against one of the teams who you know Independiente's second string team to give people some idea of who they had on the pitch still involved Leandro Fernandez and Silvio Romero up front Jonas Gutierrez and Gonzalo Verón were both in the midfield. Um, Juan Sánchez Mino flying forward from left back. You know, it, it's not a team that a lot of sides in the Primera would look at and go, "Oh no, none of those players will get into our team." Um, it, it, they're a decent attacking unit, and the fact that Nani, who I mentioned, got sent off with 20 minutes to go, he's one of the centre backs for Tempele. Um so they had to uh, reshape. Uh, to redeploy themselves and Gaston Esmirado the manager I thought did, did a decent job of that so they certainly deserve credit um, for Independiente it was disappointing um, to, to only get a draw even with a reserve side but uh, for Tempele it's it's perhaps the result they deserved against Boca the previous week you're quite right um, perhaps the problem for them yeah. is the, the points that they don't, they don't get because a, a draw against Independiente of course it's Independiente and Boca 
which is not they are not minor rivals they are five one of the uh, two of the out of the big five mm. and they got one point out of six in if you take only these two matches and they are very very hard on the I mean uh, not very easy with the relegation zone no they're not they're 12 points behind Vélez uh, Tempele remember I said last week are at the top of the relegation zone Vélez are the first team outside or the bottom team outside the relegation zone um, the, the problem for them is that even with these good performances they're still not winning as many points as the sides above them Vélez this season have won 18 points or Akan, who are one point in the relegation zone above Vélez, have won 25 points this season, because Orakan are up in fifth or sixth place, I think, if I remember right now. Um, and Tempele have only won 13. So it's it's sort of a, a, a complicated situation for them, because you reach a situation where, in spite of some r- decent recent showings against big sides, um, they're still going to really, really struggle to survive as more and more matches get ticked off and Meles retain that double-figure point cushion that they have. Um, it's a very tricky one to... I mean, it's difficult not to feel sorry for Tempele, particularly since since they try to to play the right way, in quotation marks, because I think that's a bit of a an overused or a clichéd phrase. Um, but uh, Tempele do try to get the ball down and play it and to attack when they can. They just haven't been able to in the last couple yes. of games. And I remember San Martín San Juan going down, uh, being... Uh, relegated but playing well mm. with uh, perhaps a, a style that doesn't uh, uh, agree with teams that are going through being relegated but uh, playing well and well in this case Temple are trying to do their best we will see if they if it is enough it's enough to to be safe from from that from relegation yeah they they have um, perhaps a bit of a reprieve perhaps a bit of a chance to to put things right this weekend I say weekend but actually on Monday evening they are away to Newell's old boys who given that we've just mentioned how bad Newell's have been perhaps there's a ray of light there for Tempele and then after that they're at home to Gimnasia um, away to Union oh that'll be tricky um, and then at home to Huracan who <coughs> they would like to turn into one of their direct rivals so if Tempele can start to put together some sort of performances in these next couple of games um, are probably the ones that they're going to need to do it in. They must be used to be to play on Monday nights, right? Mm. They are playing almost all the weeks on Monday. Well, they played on Saturday and the weekend just gone, but oh. of course that was against Independiente. Oh. Um, and then the weekend before that, it was on, let me see, Sunday against Boca, of course. Oh, well, Sunday. Um, but then we have, yeah, Monday evening against Tacheres. Monday evening away to Atletico Tucumán um, in the first round of this year. So yeah, they're, they're um, unless they're playing one of the big five, they seem to be playing on Monday nights an awful lot. You're quite right. And yeah, Monday evening against Newell's this coming weekend. Then it'll be on the Saturday at home to uh, Gimnasia. So that's a nice little break for their, their fans. And then back to Monday when they play Union in round 19. Um, Independiente, the... Just like Banfield, really, the the gamble of playing the kids, or well, I say kids, <laughs> Silvio Romero or Jonas Gutierrez. The, these are not that kid also. No, he's not. Uh, the value of playing the reserves, shall we say, then um, didn't end up being borne out because on Wednesday evening, in the second leg of the Recopa Sudamericana away to Gremio um, in Porto Alegre, they drew nil nil 
which combined with the 1-1 first leg result, don't forget that in finals, of which the Recopa is one in Conmebol, we don't count away goals um, as tiebreakers, which meant extra time, followed by penalties, <coughs> and it was a very decent penalty shootout. Uh, yes. Standard wise, everybody Except for scored. One shoot, a penalty, all of the shootout yeah. was. Everyone scored until Martinez, uh, Martin Benitez, um, it was Benitez, wasn't it? Had his saved uh, in Independiente's fifth spot kick, which meant that Gremio won the shootout 5 4 and are the Recopa champions as well as the Libertadores champions. So it's, well done, Gremio. It's hard to explain the, the, the extra time when they are in the middle. It was said by the commentator, I think he was right because. Hard to understand the, the, the extra time when it's only, of course, it's a Recopa. It's, you could say the final because it's the winner of the Sudamericana with the winner of the Libertadores. But it's only a first leg and second leg. It's only one match or one, uh, I mean, uh, not a, a quarterfinal, semifinal, and final. It's only yeah. one uh, round and the other. and. Uh, extra time when they are, they are in the middle of the competition, they are starting playing to play Copa Libertadores, and that it's really. Uh, I think there is no explanation for that. But well, yeah, anyway. it's weird. And and the other thing I think I, I've talked before about how I don't particularly like super cups of of any sort. Um, but the other thing that I, I'm disappointed by is that uh, th- this revelation yesterday, which we wouldn't have been able to talk about. Um, previously, had we recorded yesterday, uh, because I hadn't read about it, um, that from next year onwards, Conmebol are considering moving the Libertadores final to a one-match final. I think that's the kind of thing that the Recopa would work far better in that situation than the Libertadores final, because by having the Libertadores final in one match on a neutral venue, you're you're taking away a lot of fans' chance to get to see their team. Um, in a continental final and I, I, I've really liked the two-legged finals as well they're considering doing the same thing with the Sudamericana and according to Fernando Cis who is the La Nación journalist who we've mentioned quite a bit on this podcast because he tends to know what he's talking about there are some hints that whilst Lima and Santiago are the two favourites to get the 2019 Copa Libertadores final it could go to Los Angeles or to Miami or elsewhere in the United States, which would be, to uh, quote the great Didier Drogba, a fucking disgrace. Um, you can't have your <coughs> continental fucking cup final held in a different continent altogether. Can you imagine if they did that with the Champions League in Europe? Unless they pay, Just, you know, uh, $10 million for each team, and, well, the supporters... So We are sorry for the supporters, but the, the money is... It's a big sum of money. Mm. I don't think it will be like that. But anyway, in any other case, taking competitors to to the United States when they are not even Mexican teams at this point. Yeah, uh, um, and and there's no talk about involved in involving American teams in the Copa Libertadores. They just want to possibly play the final there, um, which is ridiculous. But anyway, we've gone off topic. Back to Superliga. Uh, <laughs> We'll talk more about that, obviously, if and when we hear more details about it in in the future. Um, The performance for me that stood out above the others, apart from the matches that we've seen, in fact, even including the ones that we've seen, is Rosario Central's 5-0 thrashing of Olimpo. It was only Olimpo, and they were away from home. Central had the home advantage. But it was a headline grabber all the same, because Andres Lioi 
who's going to turn 21 in about two weeks' time, um, scored a hat-trick from midfield. And it was really nicely taken as well. The first two goals were not just goals, they were golassos. Um, so well done him. Maximiliano Gonzalez and an own goal from Renzo Ramirez were the other um, two strikes. Uh, but I thought Central just looked really impressive throughout that much. Yes, it's the case, similar case to Lanús, for example, in which they, of course, they, they lost against Racing now, but uh, the other week they won a defeat River, which also perhaps mean well, it's River, you could say it's River, which is not playing well, but they're starting to, work, to, to show some products from the youth divisions, from the minor divisions, mm. that uh, look interesting, like... In this case, in the case of Lanús, for example, Gaston Lodico, we, I mentioned that, mentioned him last episode. Yeah. And in the case of Central, the one you you said, the Leoy and Lovera, it's another one, uh, and they are yes starting to to to. And also, uh, Joel Lopez Pisano, who, yes. who played uh, on the other wing, just behind Fernando San Pedri up front. Yes. Um, so yeah, they had a trio of, of three really young attacking midfielders, um, who all looked, you know, very lively. Uh, really good. Lobera was was also impressive, as he quite rightly points out. Um, so it, the future's bright for Central. I reckon. Yes, they will try. try. Of course, there is there is a always the the thing that they have to gain regularity or well to more minutes to be considered more uh, in more matches from the coach because it's easy, these kids are or it, as it happens with uh, any other kids. They are easily, perhaps, I wouldn't say uh, depressed, but they, they perhaps when they are with minutes in some match and in other match, and then they are left uh, again to the reserves or or, or uh, going down to the minor divisions, and uh, this is not good for them. But of course, yeah, in the other way, uh, to uh, give give them a lot of minutes or or or, or to give them a lot of responsibility is also not good. They have to take them, of course, little by little, but to to, to let them show what they are capable of. Mm. Indeed. Um, and they're certainly giving them playing time at the moment. Patronato also beat Chacarita 3-0. Um, Sebastian Rivas scored. Of course he scored yet again. Um, but I think the fact that he only scored one of Patronato's goals, if I'm right, if I'm doing my maths correctly, because he opened the scoring 18 minutes in, the others came from Matias Garrido, and from Abel Peralta, which means... Let me just see how many Patronato have scored, first of all. Patronato now have goals for 18 in this uh, season. Ribas has 9, meaning he's now drawn level with, remember, the injured Dario Benedetto as the joint top scorer in the Superliga. What that means, of course, is that he's no longer scored more than half of his team's goals. He's now scored merely exactly half of his team's goals. So well done, Patronato. You're no longer Rivas dependent, perhaps. Um, but, uh, you know, they continue to, to, to perform really well. I mean, they're 14th in the table. Um, but it looks like they're, they're starting to perhaps get some the odd win that they deserve to get. Okay, it's against Chacarita. Chacarita are definitely going to be And Uruguayan supporter will say uh, Maestro Tavares, uh, Rivas is Uruguayan because here we <laughs> we say all, all the time when there is a player that wasn't taken into account, 
San Paoli in this case and mentioned that that the player saying he's Argentine. Mm. Well, in this case, Tavares uh, should take into account uh, Rivas. Of course, it's a joke, but uh, he's going straight to to be the revelation of the Superliga if he continues this way. Yeah, no, I, I think so. Particularly, you know, again, as, as I mentioned before, he's 29. It's not as if he had a big track record of filling his boots with goals wherever he went, but um, he really has been doing this season. And, you know, the, the, the thing to point out, having just joked that he's only scored half of his team's goals, Patronato have a goal difference of two. Um, so without Ribas and his inputs, not just in terms of the goals he scores, but also the ones he helps to set up and his hold-up play, um, I think it's reasonable to think that they would be struggling against relegation. Of course, if they didn't have him, they would have another player on the pitch. It wouldn't mean that they'd be playing with ten men. Um, we will see if it, Balboa can the punch. Season he's having is can punch any any other goals. Yes, Rocky, Rocky Balboa, yes. Rocco Balboa. Um, but yeah, so it's a bizarre one because on the one hand they're mid-table, but on the other hand that feels like a really tremendous achievement for them so far. Um, and let's just have a quick look, perhaps, at who Patronato have still got to come this weekend. They're playing. Oh, where are they? They're away to Defensa Justicia. That should be a really good game. Two smaller sides, but both playing decent football at the moment. Uh, then the weekend after that, they're away to Belgrano, followed by at home to River, which, given River's current form, could turn out to be a historic result for Patronato, I would go so far as to say. Away to Racing will be somewhat more difficult. Um, and then they play at home to Central so that's a slightly trickier run of, of fixtures after the next couple which are interesting to winnable I would say for them um, we will take a break now I think and we, we, oh, there are so many goals that we've missed out we haven't talked about Belgrano 2 Beles 2 we haven't talked about Argentinos 2 Atletico Tucumán 2 um, and the Fisi Justicia match which was which was against Tigre 1-1 oh. away to Tigre on Monday evening. because uh, sorry but uh, there was a goal missed by we, some uh, another player we mentioned and we said he was great and he was the brother the, from the Fernandez brothers he was mm. the best and he missed an incredible goal with no goal with no goalkeeper with of course with the free goal and he threw it uh, up from the from the bar it was just incredible it was straight as as Rivas goes to the re revelation. From the Superliga, uh, he will be. Uh, I say it now that we are in February. From uh, to the uh, summary summary of the uh, goals missed in the end of the year. The miss of the season, sure. yeah. Nicolas Fernandez is clearly the, ha the the curse of hand of pot that's uh, that caused him to do that. Um, we apologise then to to Belgrano and Vélez and Argentinos and Atlético Tucumán players and indeed Tigre and defender, not players, sorry, supporters. Um, but we have been recording this for 40 minutes already so it's time to take a break and to come back afterwards and answer some listeners questions
here we go. This week's questions. First of all, a recommendation from Jason Longshaw, who decided to tweet uh, someone I've never heard of, telling him that uh, two podcasts that he enjoys are Total Soccer Show and Us. So thanks very much for that, Jason. Um, Paul Richardson is in with the first question this week. He says, after another poor result, are the River fans starting to turn on Gachardo? Fortunately, we have a River fan right here. I don't think so. Of course, it's annoying the way that River is playing, but uh, I, I well, in some point, I, I think that worse than this is impossible to be or to play, and it will in some point they will improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know when, and uh, I hope uh, that it's enough for River to at least be close to get a Copa Libertadores or Sudamericana zone. But uh, if not, of course, to win any of, of the competitions they have, which is harder, even harder, like, uh, if, if we watch uh, the last River games, but, uh, well, hope, I, I will never uh, lose hope, and I I, I trust in, in him and the players, who, who, which a lot of them are new, are, are relatively new in the, in the squad. We could say Racing have the same situation and they, their uh, signings were better or they uh, got into the team better well uh, in that case they are perhaps they could uh, uh, have a better uh, joining to the team and in the case of River they were also awful so for a player to come to a team that is working well it's better for it for a new player than when it's not working well it's working with some problems in defense, in, in well, in all, all of the lines. So Parto is, uh, isn't uh, uh, messy, and he if the ball isn't getting to him in the way, a proper way to to get a chance, a goal opportunity. Well, it will be very hard. Mm. I, I this is an example, but to put it in 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 well, the way that River is playing right now. But no, I don't think Gallardo. I I have the enough patience for. Uh, the project in 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 thinking that they they, they will improve and uh, well they, I am not saying that the titles he won is are enough because all the time you have to demonstrate but I am faithful and that's probably a yes. majority view we could say we haven't heard many chants against Gachardo, um at the Monumental. In spite of River's poor performances, the chants have tended to go up against Mauricio Macri, the president of Argentina and the former yes. president of Boca, and against the AFA for rigging everything against River, which is another complaint, of course, that we have had on hand pod. Not, I might clarify, that we have been complaining that the AFA have rigged everything against River, but that we have been complaining that River have been going on about the AFA rigging everything against them. Um, I'm getting all conspiratorial rather than some self-criticism which is what would probably bring about more of an improvement I am worried about this version of Gallardo complaining too much because uh, before this he was much more analytical uh, and to think much more in the team than the uh, problems outside which are referees and Boca and which is true it's true to, that it's strange to see Tapia going to the birthday of Carlos Tevez and Guillermo Barras Esqueloto meeting with Mauricio Macri, the two presidents, one is president of AFA, the other is the president of Argentina, to have meetings or while well, going to going to events that have to do with 
players or well the coach of Boca which of course will make supporters of other clubs to think that this has to do with the referees yeah as I said They a couple of weeks ago after the after the Tevez and uh, Tapia thing which happened of course on the same day as mm -hmm. as Boca's draw with San Lorenzo San Lorenzo having had two men sent off of which one of those sendings off at least was quite controversial um, it's not so much that they should you know not do these things it's just that they might you know think of the optics yes. <laughs> it doesn't look great in a country which where people are so willing to see a conspiracy theory um you're feeding the that exactly you, you you feed into that whole thing by doing it and it just it doesn't help anybody um next question was from lawrence hart who said he actually tweeted this yesterday thinking he might have been late but he wasn't because of course we didn't record yesterday Um, he says four years after Grondona's death is AFA and Argentine football in a better place now or then or is it the same it's basically the same yes. Lawrence I mean listen to what we've just been saying um, about these conspiracy theories that go around it is perhaps not run with quite as much of an iron fist it's it, the clubs have had some of the power handed back to them which is one reason the Superliga is getting smaller of course because Grondona wanted the 30-team league and it would have no doubt stayed at 30 teams had he remained alive um, so you know there are good things um, and there are bad things I mean but ultimately it's the same kind of thing as when Sepp Blatter uh, was stood down at FIFA it's the same kind of uh, talk of you know to take it out of football into politics for a brief second um, certain issues which happen all over the world in, in terms of governance and the most visible I guess at the moment being the Brexit referendum in the UK and the election of Donald Trump in the United States the problem is not necessarily Brexit or Trump per se it's the fact that the atmosphere exists where these things can, um, can, can yes. gain power Tapia now said Uh, because of the, of course, of all of the complaints and uh, all the conspiracy theories uh, about the referees and the AFA, that is all of with the Boca T-shirt, which there, there is no problem with with uh, uh, directors being Boca supporters because all of them they will uh, any any Argentinian will be supporter of any team. The problem is that, well, Tapia said again, now said that if Boca have been leaders for 400 days, it's because, of the, because they deserve it. You don't even have to say that, mm. I think. If you no, say that. If you're the president of Boca, then you can say it. If you're the president of the AFA, then maybe just shut up about it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, Tom Robinson asks, I know Andres Lioy will rightly get a lot of love, but is Maxi Lobera the central talent we should really be getting excited about? Um, I would say they both are, to be honest. As, yes. as, as we just mentioned a few minutes ago when we were summing up the performances, Lobera looks fantastically talented, very creative. I think he set up um, two goals. One for Leoy and possibly Maxi Gonzalez's. I can't remember. Yes. I, I remember the one from Leoy that was a support bully. Yeah. Yeah. The assist from, Lo from Lovera. It was beautiful. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that both of them are, are going to be very interesting players to watch and a good reason to try to catch Central um, from this point onwards. Uh, they were already sort of developing into it, as it were, but they really exploded um, against Olimpo. Again, it is only Olimpo don't expect Leoy to be scoring hat-tricks from midfield every week but yes. um, it was it was wonderful to watch yes, of course football has no 
of course football has no logics and is to uh, have relation between one match and the other is not very accurate but Lanús lost uh, a defeated River uh, which is, is River now you, you say well it's River because uh, they are not playing well and then they lost against Racing 3-1 mm. in the way perhaps that unexpected for, for Lanús supporters or, or for Lanús itself uh, because they defeated River but they then they, then they lost against Racing so yes it's a uh, uh, to, uh, to to have the, a bar or something to measure mis- is very difficult. Yeah. But uh, the kids that play well, if you, as, as I said, if you take them little by little, they can perhaps provide good things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ron the Tron asks, what has changed for Boca, although they're still leading by quite a way? It does seem like a very different team on the field. I have seen more than one person suggesting that the big change is that Fernando Gago isn't there. And that if Fernando Gago came back, Boca would begin to click and to flow again. It has to be said that before his injury, um, he was playing really well. Pablo Perez is also a big blow. And of course, Dario Benedetto isn't there to be the focal point of the attack um, to the same extent he was. And Ramon Abila is a decent striker, but he's taking a little while to bed in and get used to the team. I think I think it's that as much as anything. It's just um, yes. particularly Gago and, and Benedetto, also Perez. Um, and as a result, the team have had to reset, but they're still fundamentally a good football team. Yes, Gago and Perez, I think that they are, uh, you may like Gago or not, they are more fluent in, in making perhaps the team play. And Barrios and Nandes are more like, well, Nandes is Uruguayan and mm. he has that garra and that uh, style of play that even running and even with being having accurate uh, in, the, in his passes. Uh, his style is different than, than, than Pablo Perez and Barrios of course uh, it, it complements yes. Gago and Pablo Perez when they're on the pitch in that he's that kind of box to box midfielder um, and at the moment he's having to deputise I guess more for Perez than for Gago because Barrios is sort of running the, the Gago role um, and it's not so he doesn't quite have that same freedom and, and as a result things get a little bit disjointed I don't think there's anything major to worry about for Boca I'm sure that they will find their way back into this thing. Also, it has to be pointed out that the arrival of Carlos Tevez over the summer break um, has shaken the team up to an extent because they had a very slick, well-oiled machine and when Tevez comes in, there's no way you can't play him. So they've had to, to rearrange to a certain extent but in again, fact, in time, yes. I think they'll be okay. In fact, I will compare I will compare, I mean, not seriously, but uh, of course, I mean differences, but Nandes with, for example, a player that came to my head uh, is Paul Scholes. Mm-hmm. As similar styles, I think, like being perhaps uh, box, no, not box to box, but uh, covering race uh, parts of the field of the field of the pitch, uh, and not being a creative player, but running, trying to to be the first pass to to uh, from the ex- from the exit of the box, and and then I think you're thinking of Roy Keane. Ah, could be, yes. Because Skulls was very much the creator for that United could side. Be, my yes. favourite player of all time. But, uh, yeah. No, precisely. He's, he's like a slightly less dirty version of Roy Keane. Or a much less dirty version of Roy Keane. Um, but, yeah, essentially it's just been a sort of... It, it was a quite a tumultuous summer in which Boca still have clearly the best squad in the league, but it's a very different squad to what they had. Um, or at least a very different first team to the one that they had for most of the first half of the season. So it's going to take some adaptation time. 
Uh, Lawrence is... Oh, he just asked me the same question as yesterday. Just checking out, seeing it. I had Lawrence, so don't worry. Um, and, oh, he's left up a bit too late to research David Olaye. So, yeah. Remind me again with a bit more notice next week, Lawrence. Sorry. And he says, with regard to last week's Crystal Palace comparison of the current top flight crop, I would say Huracan. Okay. But in Argentine football in general, I would say Quilmes. We had a bit of a conversation on our Twitter mentions last week about who were the Argentine club most similar to Crystal Palace. So if anybody wants to go back down in there, um, then uh, feel free. Uh, you will say Crystal Palace to Quilmes because Quilmes had a beer, which is Crystal. Yeah. Quilmes Crystal was a... Crystal was a oh, that's a, good, yeah. That, that's a very good point of comparison. <laughs> only because of the name, perhaps, not uh, any other similitude. It's, it's exactly the same. Uh, Youssef Amin says, Do you think the performance against Lanús will spark a revival in the career of Ricky Centurion? I don't think it's just a performance against Lanús, to be honest. I was impressed by him in the previous couple of games as well. Um, the problem was that uh, the, the fear or the, the that he will make any mistake uh, similar to the ones he made when he was at Boca and at, at, the, at least at to now he hasn't so if he thinks only on football he could do great things the problem is that uh, all in the atmosphere was the sensation the feeling that he would uh, go out and, and, and be drunk and, and cra- uh, crash a car and well uh, that's not happening right now so if this Continues, he will be great in the in the in the matches and perhaps be be in the news only for that. Yeah, and I'm taken back as well to what I mentioned a few um, minutes ago about his his comments regarding how at home he felt at Boca and how at uh, Racing he feels much more at home. Um, I think it's got as much to do with that as anything. Uh, Youssef also asks, how is Ribas scoring so much? I was researching him and apparently he played for some big European clubs, so he must be half decent. I have just brought up Rebus's list of previous clubs and I can't see any big European clubs that he played for. I can see one big European cup that he didn't play for. Oh, no, sorry, apparently he did play a couple of games, he just didn't play in the league for them, which is Inter. Um, he played a couple of Coppa Italia games for them, but after that he was loaned out um, Five match for Sporting. Yes. to Spezia, sorry, oh. and then signed for Dijon, and then Genoa, where he also appears not to have played. He played for Sporting and didn't turn out for Monaco on a loan spell. Strasbourg. Uh, and then came back to um, South America with Cartagena and then Phoenix and River Plate, both in Uruguay. Um, Benados are in. Anyone who? Oh. Benados? Let's have a look. In Mexico, in the second division. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's not perhaps played for that many big European clubs, but I think it's. I don't know. We've talked about this several times in the last few episodes about we don't really know where this um, goal scoring run that he is on has come from um, because prior to joining Patronato his stats were 54 goals in 320 matches and he's now scored uh, well we just said it didn't we 9 goals in 16 matches this season which is quite a massive jump in his uh, goals per game statistics well it happened for example to Gustavo Bow that he played for River for Gimnasia for Olimpo yeah. and not being that great and he his career uh, turned when he signed for Racing. At, at the first time, he wasn't that that uh, great. Uh, also, and and uh, with matches running, he he finally 
got there his his place we will say in the world like Rivas could be Patronato uh, even when not not having played for a lot of matches like uh, any other player from his own for his uh, from his same team uh, country like Abreu for example mm. yeah, I think he's at the record Guinness for the number of ma of play of teams he played for uh, but in the case of Rivas he oh, played well, I don't know I mean I'd be surprised but he certainly played for a hell of a lot of them yes yeah um, yeah, uh, Luis Pessone says I've been out of the loop so pardon me if someone has asked this and you've already addressed it but what if any commentary exists on Chiqui Tapia publicly asking slash insisting that Barcelona play Messi less frequently prior to Russia I have not been aware of Chiqui Tapia saying this yes he said that uh, yes and I think it's I think it's a fair it was for Argentina talking for Argentina media and, and yeah. in Spain there was no like, well, Tapia could say what he wants. Yeah, precisely. I mean, he's obviously not actually phoning up yes. Barcelona and saying... He played against Chelsea, the, I think, the 90 minutes. He's he called the equalizer. Um, he's been rested in a couple of La Liga games yes. recently and in the Copa del Rey. I think it just makes sense, um, partly from Barcelona's point of view, to keep him sharp going into the business end of the season. Um, and partly as well, you know... He's 30 now. He's turning 31 in... Well, he'll, he'll turn 31 during the World Cup, won't he? Or when he turns 30 during or the World 30, Cup. Or 30, 30. Um, but, you know, it just makes sense now at this stage of his career as well to not play him for every single game. In fact, I think I talked a couple of times very briefly on past episodes in past seasons about how I found it ridiculous that Barcelona were still playing him in dead rubber Champions League group games in the sixth game when they'd already won the group. And yet he'd still play 90 minutes. Um, so it, it's nice to see... Um, that Barcelona are now managed by somebody who does rest Messi when he's not really needed and also apparently I've, I've seen one or two quotes I think from Messi himself saying that he's happy to be to be benched now like before he used to just want to play all the time and now he realises that he has to ration yes. himself a bit more um, obviously if you know if it helps Argentina in the summer then it, in a way it helps Barcelona as well because it keeps their star player happy yes. um Tariq Al-Haider, welcome back to the question section, Tariq, says, who are the new names who Sam Pauli may call up for the March friendlies? Bustos, perhaps? I think Bustos, definitely. Lautaro Martinez, for certain. And just the night, uh, last night I heard that from, of course, a journalist that covers Argentine football, who could be right or not, but uh, apparently Maximiliano Mesa will also be uh, watched Closely by San Paoli. That's an Paul interesting one because yes. I think he'd slot very well into that kind of midfield role, which Argentina don't have an awful lot of options in as well. Yes. He could be a Banega, perhaps backup. Yeah, or a more sort of dynamic and, yes. and box-to-box player again. Um, but yeah, so those are three sort of off the top of our heads, as well as which we we agree with Bustos. Um, and yeah, apart from them, new names. Possibly Franco Armani. Possibly, um, but if, yes. if comments that we heard uh, after Armani um, signed for River are to be believed, which suggests that Sam Paoli is considering him if he performs well. Um, yeah, they did, of course, concede twice against Godoy Cruz um, at home, and, and Armani was in goal for that match, but um, he wasn't tremendously at fault for either of those goals, and, and he remains a, a good goalkeeper, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Brian Bertie in Peru asks how are Luis Abram and uh, Da Silva whose first name I've forgotten but I will look up now 
getting along. Uh, Luis Abram is with Beres Sarsfield. Um, and Beto da Silva is the Peruvian, well, Peruvian-Brazilian, apparently, who is uh, signed for, um, for Argentinos Juniors. I'm not sure whether he's played a tremendous amount, I have to say, to take the second-named player first um, for Argentinos just yet. Uh, let me have a look at... So I know which website I'll have it. Hang on a second. Or I hope this website I'll have it anyway. They should do. Uh, but Luis Abram, Fabelis? I watched him that much, you know, to give an opinion on how he's doing or his performances. I perhaps watch him play, if he plays, it's River this weekend. Mm. But, uh, yes. And so far, let's see. So, Da Silva for Argentinos has played two matches. It's a difficult one to answer because, to be perfectly honest, Brian, uh, I haven't managed to catch any of Argentinos so far this year. Um, they've just they've been playing at awkward times of day. And about Vélez, we could say that, or, well, Luis Abram uh, playing for Vélez. And Vélez not being very good right now. He's, they start well with with Heise, but yeah. then they started losing again. Uh, well, uh, uh, except for the other day, uh, Belgrano, who they catched, they they grabbed a, a, a last minute draw. I think, from my point of view, not deserving it, but they they got that draw against Belgrano and the. Uh, as I said, I will try to catch it, to catch him this Saturday when they face Bell, they face River. Yeah. Perhaps if he plays, I will be, I will watch him. He apparently has also managed to play a couple of matches for Vélez, and I was just looking up whether he played um, in that one 0 win that they got in Hainz's first game in charge against Defensa Justicia. He did not, um, and what that suggests is that the two games that he has played in have both been defeats because I think they've lost every game since, haven't they? Uh, let me have a look. Obviously, from a centre-back's point of view, that's that's not a fantastic um, record either. So, no, he didn't feature against Chacarita. Did he play against... Where are Beles there? Patronato. He must have done, mustn't he, if he's played two games. Tumbleweed blows across the hand of Pod Studio. Oh, he's coming off the bench, isn't he? That's why. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, by and large, he's struggling for playing time. I would say um, and yeah limited playing time for both and they're not playing for particularly good sides so it, it's a difficult one to answer Brian sorry um, I see Argentina Juniors perhaps for Da Silva uh, to have better possibilities in order of the team because Argentina has shown something uh, slightly better than Vélez mm. indeed um, although obviously most recently they lost to no hang on that's not, that wasn't this weekend just gone was it that was this weekend just gone they drew 2-2 two, two with Atletico Tucumán um, but yeah I'm just they had one against the Defensa Justicia the, the, the previous one I think so yeah slightly better but again it looks like Dacil has been on the bench and coming oh. off the bench for even for most of Argentinos games here who's come on there Piscolici. and yeah so he, he played sort of 15 minutes against Atletico Tucumán this weekend just gone 
Um, so it's it's snatches of play for both of them rather than anything that we can really comment on in terms of their performances, which is fortunate given that, as I say, we've not really managed to catch up with most of the performances of the sides that they play for. Um, so sorry for that. Uh, we next have some mystical predictions coming up, and they are going to be my mystical predictions against those of Mystic Yusef. So don't go away. Okay, this weekend's fixture list and what Yusef and I think are going to happen. Last week I beat Yusef 8-5 in the predictions, so it's his chance for revenge this week. If you want to predict some yourself, by the way, then please do feel free to get in touch with me um, for next week. Here we go. Olimpo versus Arsenal de Sarandí. We're both going for Olimpo victories in that match. Huracán versus Estudiantes is next up. Yusef is going for an Estudiantes win. I'm going to go for a draw. Godoy Cruz against Racing. Yusef says Racing win. Ooh. The form Racing are in. But Godoy Cruz do have seven wins out of seven at home. And I think that's difficult to bet against. So I'm going to go for a Godoy Cruz win. Defense y Justicia versus Patronato. Uh, Yusef hasn't put anything else in. So I assume that that's a draw that he's claiming. And I'm going to go for... As I, said, as I said earlier, actually, I think that's a really attractive-looking game. I'm going to go for a draw in that one. Um, Lanús against Rosario Central. Yusuf is going for Central. I'm going to go for Central as well. Difficult to argue with at the moment. Vélez versus River. Yusuf reckons it's a draw. I reckon River can scramble a win in that one. Atlético Tucumán against Tigre. Yusuf thinks it's a draw. I think that's an Atlético Tucumán victory. Chacarita against Belgrano. Yusuf says it's a Belgrano win. I think it's a draw. Oh, hang on. Uh, do I? Yeah, I'll, I've said it now. I'll stick with the draw. Uh, Independiente versus Banfield. Yusuf reckons Independiente. I reckon Independiente as well. Union against Colón. The Clásico Santa Fecino. Yusuf says draw. I think Union are going to win it. Boca versus San Martín de San Juan. Yusuf says Boca. I say Boca. Newells versus Tempelane. Yusuf says Newells. I say. I'm going to go for Tempelane. Tacheres against Argentinos. Yusuf says Tacheres, and I think it's going to be a draw. And Gimnasia against San Lorenzo de Almagro. I'm going to go for a San Lorenzo victory. Yusuf says it's going to be a draw. Some. Some interesting matches. More interesting fixtures this weekend than the ones yes. we thought last week, no? Although last week actually turned out to have some fairly decent games. Um, but yeah, again, Defensa Justicia Patronato I think should be an, an attractive game. Vélez against River is is a uh, match between two teams who really need a win more for uh, team morale reasons than, than for sort of mathematical reasons, perhaps, given that Vélez have got that huge cushion over... Um, Tempele that we mentioned, but um, Gimnasia San Lorenzo also, yeah, and the uh, Lanustro Rosario Central is, uh, or I uh, misunderstood, yeah, ah, Central, that's yeah, another, yeah. I think. No, I think, and, and Independiente Banfield as well, obviously, both sides yeah. suffering continental disappointment. Um, the the well, yesterday on Wednesday, um. But both will be eager to pick themselves up, and they've both been playing decent stuff when they've had their first teams, <laughs> yes. which they haven't had in the league for a couple of weeks now. Um, but there's no reason, I don't think, for them to 
not put them out this time because let me just remind myself when the Libertadores starts for Independiente. Oh, it's on this other window we've got, isn't it? Because it pops out in a pop-up. Um, the groups for Independiente begin. Which group are they in? There they are. They begin on... Oh, next Thursday. So, in fact, they do have an excuse to not feel the full-strength side. So we'll see what happens. But um, And talking about next week, River starts their, uh, well, along with other teams, I think, their participation in the Copa Libertadores yes. next Wednesday at, uh, I think, 9.45pm, quarter to 10, I think. Precisely. So we'll hopefully be able to record and then you can get home before that game. Yes. I hope next Wednesday. Um, the groups have almost all been decided. The final Libertadores qualifier is actually going to be played after we record tonight but it doesn't involve an Argentine side so I will not waste your time listeners by giving you the score afterwards it's between I can remember the away side but I can't remember the home side it's Atletico Junior of Colombia to Gutierrez's team thank you away to Guarani Atletico Junior lead 1-0 from the first leg and we have Argentine not sides but uh, well Teo Gutierrez has already played for Racing Lanús and River yeah mostly River perhaps and uh, Guarani that has Sebastián Saja in the, in the bench. Ah, do they? Yes. Oh, interesting. Um, so the group stages begin next week, as I say. Uh, group 1 doesn't involve any Argentine sides. It's Defensor Sporting, Gremio, Monagas and Cerro Porteño. Group 2 also, Colo Colo, Atlético Nacional, Delfín and Bolívar. Group 3 is Atlético Tucumán, who get underway not next week, but on the 13th of March, for some reason, at home to Libertad and the strongest of Peñarol are the other two teams in that group. Um, group 4 is the team who have come through um, round 1. That's Independiente Santa Fe of Colombia, Emelec, Flamengo and River. The first of those matches, as Andres just mentioned, kicks off uh, hopefully after we record <laughs> next Wednesday. Group 5 is Racing against Cruzeiro, which is going to be next Tuesday. Um, along with Vasco da Gama um, having put Jorge Wilstermann out in a thrilling um, battle last night against Universidad de Chile. Group 6 is going to be Nacional, who of course beat Banfield and Estudiantes. That match is going to be played next, I think it's Thursday, it might be Wednesday. And Real Garcilaso against Santos. Um, Millonarios versus Corinthians and Deportivo Lara versus Independiente um, are next Thursday in Group 7 and in Group 8 it's Alianza Lima and Boca against whoever comes through this evening out of Guarani and Atletico Junior and Palermo that's Palermo? what am I talking about? Palmeiras my, my brain went somewhere bizarre with that one um, so those are your groups for the Copa Libertadores come back next week and we will tell you how some of the first games are going sorry but talking yeah. about Palmeiras and Peñarol well uh, Nandes was playing for Peñarol when he had a fight with uh, Felipe Melo a punching I think uh, and uh, Boca and Peñarol well not Peñarol but Boca I think that uh, along with Palmeiras asked for the, uh, for the suspension to be uh, well, of less matches or to uh, ask for the suspension to, to be forgiven and well this ha this, this, this didn't happen uh, and Comnebol said that the suspension of three matches was firm and well uh, this is it 
Yeah. So Nandes won't be able to play for Boca this, the, in their first three matches in the in the group. Hard luck to him. For now, thank you very much for listening to us for another week. Please join us again next week. Um, and it's goodbye and good night from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. And from me, thank you. And goodbye. <laughs>